January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, trafficking and other human rights violations have increased, while there has been a decrease in financial and human resources dedicated to anti-trafficking and protections. As the pandemic rages on, government resources have been diverted to focus more on the growing health and economic concerns. Rest assured, agency administrators stay committed to anti-trafficking efforts. This year's Spotlight Month is dedicated to educating ourselves about human trafficking, and more importantly, to learn the signs of its existence. The North Carolina Justice Academy is committed to this focus and accordingly will dedicate the entire month to different aspects and issues involved in human trafficking. Field crest towards Clanton. I'm turning around as I'm driving down Clanton. I'm turning around and see if I can find him again. Columbus, subject U-1074, electronic, I guess you were. NCJA 10-14. 10-14. NCJA 10-14. Over the years, interdiction techniques to intercept the flow of illegal narcotics moving on North Carolina's interstate highways have resulted in hundreds of arrests and the removal of tons of drugs destined for street sales. But there is also a growing problem in the movement of people, particularly juveniles, who are victims of human trafficking. Training is now available in North Carolina to assist frontline officers in identifying missing, exploited, or at-risk children. On this episode of NCJA 1014, we'll be discussing components of the interdiction for the protection of children and why there is a need for this training in North Carolina. As usual, we have assembled a panel of subject matter experts to lead our podcast discussion, and they are. Major Rick Hoffman retired after 27 years of service with the Raleigh Police Department. Since then, he has spent time providing technical and training assistance to federally funded statewide human trafficking task forces. He has provided human trafficking investigative training nationwide to improve outcomes for victims. Alex Bumgardner has worked with survivors of trauma for over five years. Three of those have been with Project Fight in Asheville. Through Project Fight, she provides comprehensive case management services to survivors of human trafficking, conducts trainings in her community, and collaborates with law enforcement in order to address survivors' needs. Mark Nichols, who is retired following 30 years of service with the North Carolina Highway Patrol, where he earned the rank of major. In that capacity, he was responsible for supervision in the fields of special operations, including human trafficking, criminal investigations, and motor carrier enforcement operations. Major Nichols is currently a member of the North Carolina Human Trafficking Commission. Kelly Hodges is the State Bureau of Investigation Special Agent in charge of the Special Programs Unit that includes human trafficking. She began her law enforcement career in 2002 when she was hired by the SBI. She has diverse experience working in field operations as a crime scene specialist, criminal agent, drug agent, and Klan Lab Site Safety Officer. And finally, Master Trooper Donald Cuff, who has been with the North Carolina State Highway Patrol for eight years. He is currently assigned to the DEA Task Force as a member of the Criminal Interdiction Team covering Eastern North Carolina. I welcome all of you to our podcast today, and thank you so much for taking time. This is a new training. It's a new subject, and we need to get right into it. So, Kelly, I'm going to start with you. 
if you'll give us an overview of what interdiction for the protection of children is all about. Yes, sir. The The main goal of the, the IPC program is to help law enforcement officers identify and rescue endangered or exploited children and identify those who pose a high risk threat to a child. So a part of this very intensive, comprehensive training, we cover a variety of, of topics from understanding victims and offenders and um, Trooper Cuff will go into some of the, the things they learned about the indicators and behavioral um, signs. We cover um, legal issues and general statutes. We cover working with the children, uh, the officer's role to understanding these indicators, intelligence reporting, um, as well as identifying and working with local and our state partners with uh, child and victim service providers. So while Texas um, Department of Public Safety comes and presented this, this two-day training class, we um, supplement that to reflect North Carolina general statutes. So the SBI's legal counsel was a guest speaker along with victim service folks from our Child Advocacy Center, CPS, Child Protective Services, and the SBI's Fusion Center also participated um, as guest presenters as a part of this training. This is well, geared towards, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say in, in that list, you can tell that it is extremely comprehensive I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted no, to sir. kind of get that in there. It, it's very thorough training, it sounds like. It's very thorough training, and it's, it's geared towards um, our frontline officers, patrol specifically, um, to, to make them aware of the variety of resources available to them when they're trying to establish the status of a, of a child who may be missing, exploited, or at risk, what actions are immediately available to take with those, those children. Now that sounds pretty intense. So I'm sure this was not one of those programs where somebody woke up one morning and went, wow, this is something that we need to do. Obviously, a lot of thought and a lot of research has been put into this. Rick, can you talk a little bit about how this program started? Yes, sir. So it started in 2006, 2007 with the Texas Department of Public Safety. They realized that there was a need uh, that they had identified to train frontline officers to recognize indicators uh, that a child might be a victim during their traffic stops or that the child might be at risk of victimization. It, the, they began to develop that idea to fill that need after talking with Texas uh, Education Training and Research Division and the uh, Texas Missing Persons Clearinghouse. That went into a, uh, a partnership that they developed with the U.S. Marshal's Office to take an evidence approach to identifying indicators on how to identify these high-risk threats to children and any indicators that children were at risk of uh, being exploited. They later forged a, uh, a partnership with the Behavioral Analysis Unit of the FBI and uh, developed this program that they're sharing nationwide that I believe is, is, is honestly unique uh, within the country. Mark, I'd like to talk a little bit about how it got its roots and grew in the state of Texas and made its way to North Carolina. Oh, thank you, Kurt. You know, Texas is known for big things, and uh, we're very proud to be associated with this program. And uh, Texas DPS, uh, the State Highway Patrol, about 15 years ago, were known as the premier criminal interdiction teams across the country. Everybody went to Texas to do training on criminal interdiction, and those uh, guys and gals mastered it very, very well right there at the border. And they were searching for contraband and different things along the Texas highways. Uh, those were called criminal interdiction teams. And those uh, interdiction teams began to start to notice anomalies in vehicles when they made stops, 
and started talking to themselves about we're starting to see things more than just drugs. There's possibilities there could be victims or missing children or individuals involved in human trafficking on some of these traffic stops that we're seeing. We're just not finding drugs. We're finding other things that match uh, human trafficking indicators. With that, they did something unique, Kurt. They actually went outside the silo, as the old saying is, and started talking to other agencies to talk about things that they were seeing. So they went to the uh, missing persons clearinghouse. They went to the FBI. They shared information with the Texas Rangers. And all that information started to build on a discussion of how do we make this uh, idea of what we're seeing into some kind of training format. And that's kind of how this whole program began. It began from interdiction officers out doing their day-to-day job, just like our North Carolina troopers, and, and looking for anomalies after traffic stops that stand out that says, maybe there is something else there that I need to look for or ask a question about. That's how it all came about. And Texas has done it well. So they decided to get this group together, have a discussion, and start talking about things that they're seeing. And with that, uh, having a very involved group, they were able to make some idea of what it is they're seeing and actually who it is they're seeing. And that's how this whole thing came about with Texas. Uh, I commend them for what they've done. They've got a national program that we are very proud of in our country that we're following here in North Carolina. And it was because of alert troopers, good training. They decided to come together uh, put their ideas together to implement this training and make it more of a multi-agency approach other than a single-agency approach. Well, I talked a little bit about the interdiction process that law enforcement has used for drugs and the arrest and the tons of drugs that have been taken off the street. And we always think about that because of the interstates and the number thereof that come through the state of North Carolina. But this is a little bit different. I, I think where it sounds like where you all are headed is this is just not an interstate highway program. It's a coast to mountains program. So Kelly, I'd like to kind of peel back a little layer of that onion and talk about why we are bringing IPC into North Carolina. And let's give a little credit where it's credit due. Who's responsible for getting it here? Well, to to begin with who's responsible for getting it here, the, the Human Trafficking Commission played an instrumental part in, in finding this training and getting us down the road where, where we're bringing it to North Carolina. And then the, the SBI and the Highway Patrol actually hosted and collaboratively worked together to bring this training um, to North Carolina back in November. And I think we had a, a phenomenal turnout. I would say we had about 75 officers from across the state in the room. Um, and we'll get to, to some of the, the positive outcomes directly out of that training in a little bit. Um, as far as, you know, why we're, we're, we're wanting to bring it to North Carolina, you know, it, human trafficking, child, child trafficking, it, it is something, unfortunately, that it is here. Um, we, we spend a lot of time specializing in certain areas of law enforcement training. And, you know, most agencies have uh, an interdiction unit. Highway Patrol has them. A lot of the sheriff's offices and um, local police departments have it. And so we're, we're training them with all this knowledge to go and search specifically drugs, weapons, currency. 
this IP tra IPC training is something else to add to their toolbox to expand their training and knowledge so that they can approach these cases with a victim-centered approach and working with child victimization cases and really being able to identify those people who are at high-risk threat or offending against our children. And while this is called an interdiction protection class, interdiction kind of implying that this is only on our roadways, a lot of what these officers can learn in this class is, is applicable to, you know, going to a call for service at a home. So the same indicators can be present whether it's in wherever you would encounter um, a child. Trooper Cuff, let's get you in here for the first time. And obviously, you've had this training. You understand it. So tell us, why should an officer attend this training? Officers in North Carolina should attend this training. Um, this training right here is for the frontline officers to understand the resources that's available to them and what course of action they need to take when they're encountering an endangered child. IPC will help the frontline officer basically understand the behavioral patterns of the suspect and also the victim. The victim importance of articulating the findings of patrol officers, the most likely to encounter children in distress. Um, and the biggest thing in that, that we've learned from it is understanding that the victims, of, of they encounter a, a trauma bonding um, where, where we don't need for, in law enforcement, we don't need the children to cry out to us. We need to take our training here and look where we can help the children. We're, we're in law enforcement, we put back where we want the children to cry out for us. We need to take the approach of reaching out to the children and what we're seeing in, um, in these vehicle stops or when we're encountering people, which we'll go through later, which, uh, which is a success story in North Carolina, um, where an officer took the training and put it to use after having it for just a couple, I don't even think it was a day where he had it and was able to take the indicators and things that he saw and put them to use. And we were able to have an actual success story in North Carolina. And, and the thing for us is to continue that success in North Carolina, because what uh, Major Nichols said earlier, where Texas was successful, we can be as successful in North Carolina. And with this training being here, we'll be able to apply it and we can bring those same success stories to North Carolina that Texas can bring to us. Rick, I know this seems like a simplistic question. And once I ask it, I think most people who are listening are probably going to go, you already know the answer to that question. But I, I think it kind of takes uh, Kelly's response just a little bit further to ask, why would an officer want to attend this training or why would their agency want to send them to the IPC training? I think what Texas stumbled upon was the fact that there are about 765,000 sworn officers in this country. The vast majority of those officers are uniformed officers. They are not investigators. They are not federal agents. Um, and the vast majority of those officers conduct traffic stops daily. They are trained and very skilled at uh, finding fugitives of justice, finding you know evidence of narcotics and illegal possession of weapons, but they encounter children every day. And what they don't know is often how to assess the safety of those children. And I think every officer wants to make a difference at heart. And so you find what you look for. And if you're not looking for uh, many of the indicators that are shared in this program, 
you miss those. You miss the opportunity to really make a difference in a child's life and to engage in prevention. You know, we, we talk a lot about prosecution in law enforcement, but if you could prevent further victimization, I think every officer uh, anywhere would want to do that. Mark, let me defer to you to kind of add a little bit from the Human Trafficking Commission standpoint. As a member of the commission, how excited were you guys when you learned about this training? And, and talk a little bit about the process of finally getting it to fruition in our state. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, one, Kurt. We uh, found out through a good friend of mine, Major uh, Chris Norlow, who is the Major of Operations with Texas Highway Patrol, good friend. I was able to contact him and talk to him about his unit. And as he explained it to me, as always, I'm excited about new ways to put bad guys in jail and be able to help the victims. And what he told me was, this is more of a victim services type operations as well. So not only are you going to get the bad guy, but you're going to help these victims that really need that approach and need that expertise. So I was excited about getting that information and sharing it. And then we had to get in line basically to get the training brought to North Carolina, which took a great deal of time. And then COVID came in and kind of put this back a little bit. So when we were able to secure it, uh, Kelly and SBI and the State Highway Patrol uh, trooper uh, Donald Cup and them actually made it to where it was today. We were so excited from the commission standpoint. We're going to be able to identify uh, individuals out there who are responsible for this terrible crime. But not only that, we're able to identify the victim and actually help those victims as well. So this is such a great training opportunity for us, Kurt, North Carolina. Again, just very excited about the opportunities and outcome. Kelly alluded to this earlier, you know, we think about interdiction as a highway enforcement issue, but interdiction comes in many different forms. You think about the highway patrol, especially that's, that's where you see traffic stops on the interstates or the North Carolina routes, wherever you're traveling. But that interdiction really in this program really takes on a different meaning. It, it could be something as simple as stopping at a convenience store to go in and get a drink. Is that right? Am I hearing that right? Totally can be. Um, it's more interdiction than just the highway. You have interdiction that can be handled at your truck stops. It can be at a convenience store. It can be in your local uh, municipalities. It can be at a, a local Walmart. It's everywhere. And we can see it everywhere. And it's not just the highways. So this training that's put out for not just law enforcement, but for everybody, if you can take a piece of it and we see things that we're not overlooking that we potentially overlooked in the past. Great response. And again, pardon me for getting down to the simplistic matters of the training, but you put it in great summary. Alex, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the curriculum of the program itself. And I know that there's a, a lot of attention given to a multidisciplinary approach in the IPC program. Why is that MDT approach stressed so much? Yeah, so it has been proven to be successful to use different disciplines with this approach because like the point that Major Nichols touched on earlier, the course is taught with the understanding that success doesn't come at the end of the recovery of the victim. Success comes from the final outcome for the victim themselves. And so anytime law enforcement like encounters a situation where there are enough red flags to make a report to CPS or even to recover that child victim, 
full access to victim services should always be provided to better ensure that they are going to be receiving the support that they need for healing. And if you look at Texas and the other states who have implemented this training, it's proven to be successful with the use of different disciplines. Interdictions involving children can be so challenging and potentially volatile. And so even though IPC courses teach it, officers how to diffuse emotional situations and gain cooperation, we don't expect law enforcement to be trained social workers. So this is one of the many reasons why the multidisciplinary approach is stressed in the program. Just as a service provider who works with human trafficking victims, it's important to note that studies show that when children are traumatized, they, and if they have trusted adults and solid sources of support in their lives, they're going to be more likely to develop the resiliency that's needed to move forward with the skills that they're going to need to be a well-functioning adult. But without that kind of support, child victims of trauma in a variety of other circumstances that are listed in what's called an ACEs study, those victims of trauma develop challenges that lead to being much more vulnerable to further abuse and exploitation later in life. And so one example of that is someone, you know, who suffered that kind of abuse or neglect or exploitation as a child, you know, they're not going to potentially have the ability later on because of the mental health challenges that came with that, because of all the barriers that came with that, to potentially consistently work. And then therefore, they're being left to financially depend on someone else who could use that dependency to exploit them. Even though I certainly don't want to ever speak for all survivors, in my professional experience, I have yet to work with a survivor of sex trafficking who did not experience some form of childhood abuse, neglect, or exploitation. And so ultimately, even if a child is recovered from an interdiction stop that is not necessarily a survivor of human trafficking, ultimately, the multidisciplinary approach is not just about working together with the hope of addressing a child endangerment case. It's also with the hope that we close the gaps in our system to do our part as adults to set up child victims for a life where abuse or neglect hopefully stops once that interdiction takes place. And so this course does a really great job of emphasizing a litany of available resources to patrol officers so they can best utilize this approach moving forward. Well, I want you to put a little asterisk by some of the services that you talked about. And in, in just a few more minutes, I'd like to come back and discuss some of the more specific roles about service providers. So just hang on to that thought. Meanwhile, Rick, I made a note to myself after your response about street officers and how they can benefit from this training. Can you give a little more detailed explanation maybe about some of the indicators that a street officer might see or hear at a traffic stop? Yes. Yeah, so, so one of the things that we have found that street officers frequently uh, struggle with is articulating what they already suspect. You know, if you think about it in the framework of a DWI, you tell somebody they're impaired, you can really quickly, officers know how to articulate to a judge or somebody else what impairment looks like. But they struggle with exploitation. Um, you know, how, what does that look like? So in this course, there are you know, behavioral, there are physical, there are property, and there are contextual indicators that would allow an officer to frame what they suspect and be able to articulate it. Whether they're going to articulate it to a multidisciplinary team member, say, 
you know, Department of Human Health Services or Department of Social Services, or they need to articulate that to a supervisor as to why, you know, more resources are needed at the scene and why they want to extend a stop, or they're going to articulate that in a documented report, say it's going to be used um, in court. This course is really going to assist them justifying and uh, articulating their observations uh, in a way that would allow them to act. And that's the important and most key thing to this training is the ability to do something, not just know something, but to act with the information that you have in a way that's meaningful that assists children. What a great answer. And I, I think the takeaway for me is that closing the gap for victims, which is mm -hmm. something that historically we have not done a great job of. And it's great to see that, that there is a little paradigm shift taking place in that. Uh, Trooper Cup, I want to come back to you. Obviously, this is going to be one of those trainings that every cop in the state of North Carolina will probably not be able to be exposed to unless we, hint, hint, maybe enroll it somewhere in the basic law enforcement training course. And still then, it's going to take a great deal of time to make that happen. So let's give the officers who are out there listening maybe just a, a little bit of a touch of the training. For us, this training has been great to, to pick up on, but there's multiple indicators. It's not one certain indicator that you can use, but I, you know, in, in experiences of working in law enforcement, there are things that as law enforcement officers, we may miss. Um, so this training was great to see pieces of things that you may miss along the way where you can start targeting in on certain things. Um, and it's not one thing that'll that'll be that certain piece to it. It's just taking the stop a little bit further. So instead of issuing that citation and just walking away, look at the things in the car or look at your driver or your your passengers in the vehicle and just try to assess that whole situation before we grab license or registrations and walk away. We can look at things that may stand out to us. And if, in, in law enforcement, we always say that that hair stands up on your arm and there's something or you get the goosebumps. There's something there that we need to start looking at a little bit more instead of just walking away from the actual terms of this whole stop that we're having here. And it don't have to be specifically a stop. Again, it can be interdiction is, is a whole thing. When you're talking about stores or walking into your local Home Depot, whatever it may be, we're going to pay attention to the things that we're seeing around us as we're out doing our daily duties um, in law enforcement. And just a little follow-up to that as well. It seems like I started the conversation of interstate highways and those being the primary veins of movement. It's safe to say that uh, a sheriff's office in the mountains or at the coast could also benefit from this. And it's not just an, an interstate interdiction kind of thing. Absolutely. We know that uh, from children and case studies that have already been done, that these victims are found in cities. They're found in large towns. They're found in small towns. They're found in rural and metro settings. Um, and so anybody that is working that has the ability to stop a car or is going to interact with children, really, and that I think encompasses all 765,000 uh, sworn officers would benefit from this training. And they would benefit from understanding why a, dis a multidisciplinary approach is victim-centered for all of their investigations, really. Thanks for clearing that up. Alex, I said I would come back to you, and, and here we go. My question is, 
how does improving your understanding of victims help you improve your ability to help them? Yeah, so comprehensive training in order to better understand victims would substantially enhance the officer's awareness and their understanding of multiple child endangerments, as well as the broad range of offender and victim behaviors. So akin to Texas DPS's drug interdiction training, the course covers legality issues and techniques for scrutinizing suspicious behaviors and actions before and during law enforcement encounters. Law enforcement learn the kinds of observations to make and the appropriate questions to ask children and adults. And because a victim's cooperation can be a key to successfully investigating and prosecuting cases, as y'all know, um, an integral part of the training is learning the most effective communication approaches based on the child's age and development and culture. So how you communicate with a fearful, silent four-year-old is going to, of course, look different than how you're interacting with a hostile 16-year-old. Understanding the um, most appropriate approaches to each child supports what's called, like Rake mentioned earlier, a victim-centered approach. And this demonstrates a respect for the victim's dignity and adopts wherever possible to meet those needs. And as a result, law enforcement officers have a trauma-informed interaction and they gain exponentially more information from the child with that very limited time that they have, which everyone can know can be extremely valuable to an investigation later on. And so law enforcement also learn preliminary investigation techniques and methods to identify child pornography, child erotica, and other evidence where it may be found, um, as well as intelligence gathering methods and the proper reporting procedures like Rick mentioned. Well, our time for this episode has just about expired, and I want to thank all of you for your time, mostly for your expertise and sincerely for your heart in wanting to be involved in this cutting edge training for North Carolina, the interdiction for the protection of children. It says a lot about each of you as individuals. Perhaps the motto of the North Carolina Human Trafficking Commission says it best, committed to the freedom and flourishing of all North Carolinians. The North Carolina Justice Academy is committed to helping the fight against human trafficking. A new episode will be posted weekly on our website at www.ncdoj.gov forward slash ncja. Click podcast at the top of the page to find current and previous topics and last year's discussions on human trafficking. Or subscribe on your favorite apps like iTunes, Spotify, and more. NCJA 1014.